Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we are answering your questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted their questions to us through Instagram or email. Lori and I love involving all of you in our podcast content creation, and it's just our way of staying connected with our audience and giving you the content that you want to hear. All right, buckle up, friends. This is going to be a long but fun episode. We'll try to keep it not so long. I feel yeah. bad because we're, we'll we're recording late. I'm sorry, Daniela. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's I'd still be awake anyway, Lori. <laughs> well, that's good. My yeah. daughter just FaceTimed me. So we had to like literally three seconds before we were supposed to start talking. That's okay. Start recording. Angie comes mm-hmm. first. Mm. What are you I'm drinking? Sorry. I have a tea. I have a lavender tea. Oh, that sounds way better. I'm drinking like water that's been on my desk for like four hours. So it's warm. <laughs> my throat is just dry. <laughs> it's just been here all day. So I need to sip it. Mm, I definitely did not drink enough water today. Definitely I did know. not. I drank beer and well, I mean, football's back. So it's fun. Patriots <sighs> won. Woo-hoo. I know. Yay. Go Pats. Cam Newton did all right today. He did yeah. all right. Yeah. Cam Newton, have, you know, I'm... I'm going to stay optimistic. If you're a New England fan, you know, <laughs> our, our beloved Tom has left us, but it's okay. The kids started watching Tom Brady's game and then- Oh, I watched I it. It was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. They, did they lose? Yeah, they lost. Yeah. Rocco said he was going to get clapped was his comment. He's like, Tom's <laughs> going to get clapped today. So a part of me was happy that he lost and a part of me was sad that he lost. <laughs> oh, I think all part of me is happy. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. We digress. Anyways. <laughs> um, okay. So how was your week? Tell me about your week, Daniela. Um, my week was hectic, but it was good. Um, I feel like overall in terms of reselling that sales are a little um, sporadic. I, I had sales. Um, mm-hmm. I had sales on other platforms that were not Poshmark, which was interesting to me. Um, but, and I'm, and I'm selling some different things, things like I'm trying to venture into different avenues of reselling, whether it's with hard goods or I'm going more towards like different athletic equipment or brands and stuff. Um, so that's been fun. Um, it's that's actually fun. It's always fun to venture out. Yeah. It's kind of motivated me going back into like the athletic realm. Um, it's kind of motivated me to kind of start some different habits and, um, I bought some new athletic wear for myself. I also like bought a new water bottle, like different things to kind of, um, just help myself stay on track a little bit. I'm trying to be super conscious in my eating and everything. So, but it's been fun because a lot of these brands were things that, um, I used to wear when I was competitive and whatnot, and just kind of seeing where that world is right now. So that's been fun. Um, that is fun. Yeah, it was different. You know, my mom um, had her 60th birthday yesterday. Happy so. birthday, mom. Yes. So that was fun. We all hung out together, got catered food. I mean, we weren't able to go out, um, obviously, with my grandmother. My mom just had surgery, so that, there was no going to restaurants. But we bought the restaurant to her, and we had balloons and everything. So it was a really good time. Oh, that's so nice. I love the flowers you gave her. That yeah, they're pretty. Me. So pretty. So pretty. Yeah. Oh, well, happy birthday to your mom. That's yes. a big one. Yes, 60 is big. That yeah. it is. So how was your week, Lori? How are your sales? How's everything going? 
Um, my sales were pretty good this week. And um, I think it's just because I set a goal to list 10 items a day. And up until yesterday, I did it. So I, I listed 50 this week. Well, on one day, I listed three. I think it was Wednesday. Any day that I post a video, my listings are low. So Wednesday, I, had to, I posted a video. So I only did three listings that day. But then on Thursday, I did 17 and That's made awesome. up for it. Yeah. So sales have been very consistent. I think my I think my lowest day I had like $75 or $95 in sales. And then everything else has been like over my daily goal that, that I shoot for. So that, I mean, it's a 100% a result of how much I listed and shared this week. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very predictable for me. It's, it's yeah. my, when I'm not listing, I'm not selling when I'm not, when I'm not sharing and listing together, listing number one, um, you know, my, I see it in my closet. So, but it, do, it, it doesn't always correlate. I mean, I have days where I'll list five, 10 items and then I don't see it kick in for a couple of days, but I think where this week it was every single day, it was just kind of a constant flow. And I'm also taking a lot of offers as well to kind of get the ball rolling in the morning. Yeah. Um, but I've made some counters and I've declined a, a fair share too, but generally I'm being I keep looking at stuff like, okay, if you're in my closet for another three months and I end up pulling you and bringing you to a consignment store, sending you to thread up, how much would I make off of you? And usually the answer is like three to $7. So if I get like a $15, $20 offer, I'm like, yeah, I'm taking it. You know, I definitely find myself being more lenient with the offers coming in as well, where like maybe I normally would have held out for that extra $15, $20. I'm like, yeah, don't care. Just, I need, you need to move move it. Yeah. You need to move. I'm definitely at an inventory surplus right now. So that's been my mentality as well. Just mm. get it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it out, get it listed, make that money. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So um, we have lots of questions. <laughs> so thank you yes. everyone who sent us questions. Some are specific to like just Lori. Some I guess are specific to just me, um, but we're going to both answer them the best that we can. Yeah. And some of them were overlap. So mm-hmm. literally Daniela cut and pasted her questions and I cut and pasted mine and we'll, you know, we'll make our way through and hopefully we'll hit all of them before midnight. Yeah. <laughs> let's oh, hope. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. Let's start off with the first one. Um, so the first question is how do you balance reselling podcasts, family, YouTube? And this question did also include um, work because I am, I do work full-time outside of the home. Um, so my answer to this is I have a schedule that I try to stick to, but to say that I balance it well, it would be a lie. Like I struggle with balancing it all. There are times, like there's a reason why I'm not doing YouTube videos right now and I'm doing reseller hangouts. It's because I can't do YouTube videos. I don't have the time. I, I just... It's so stressful for me to have to create content and then edit it and then list it in time, list it, schedule it, I should say, in time for when I want to air the um, video. Sorry, I ate a pepper biscuit and (coughs) this pepper (laughs) (laughs) going down the wrong way. Um, Yeah. You want me to talk so you can do it? No, I'm good. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So YouTube itself um, will probably be on the back burner for a little while just because it requires so much time. And Laura, you know, YouTube is very time consuming. There's a lot that goes into it. 
It's hugely time consuming. And um, I'm definitely at a point where something has to give in on my side of business. And I'm not sure what, but something definitely has to give because yeah, YouTube, YouTube is, um, I have some momentum going right now and I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy the editing. I hate it and I love it at the same time. Like I keep wanting to, to do better. I want to learn more effects. Like it's, it's just something that I'm, I'm comfortable enough with and I'm curious about more, you know? So, but no, I'm this morning, today was today and Wednesday were both days that I actually shot the video and edited the video. Um, and it's very time consuming. So I think I shot my video today at 1130 and I, I do take breaks for lunch and whatnot, but it's not posted yet. It's 922. It's probably not going to get posted tonight because I just had some memory and, and even with the best laid plans, I had some memory issues with my computer where I had to go into documents and delete a bunch of stuff because it wasn't like letting me add audio or any like images on top of just what was playing in iMovie. So sometimes there are like little technical things that add time to it, but no, YouTube is hugely time consuming. Yeah. The, the podcast itself um, doesn't take a lot of time. And I have a really great co-host, so it's very <laughs> As do I. But honestly, Daniela does all the work for this, so. Yeah, I, I the podcast is- I, That's been out of balance lately, but yeah, because I feel like you do so much for it. But, um, but it is difficult to balance it all. And family for me has been light because I have the two older ones at college, so that's been a little bit easier lately. I don't have little kids at home, um, which require a lot more attention. Um, but between, I do always find that something is suffering. Like I would say this week, listing was really good. YouTube was consistent. Um, I didn't exercise much this week. I only got on the Peloton once. So I feel like every week something suffers a little bit. Um, Rocco goes back to school this week. So we had to like stock up on groceries and get all that. We replaced the Tiki bar, which was raring all summer long we put all our tiki stuff away it was kind of sad and we have like a snack bar for Rocco so like when he comes down during the day we have all of his like his little Pringles and his Ritz crackers we have like all the junk food a 16 year old boy could ever want all in little baskets and then I did a sign that just said snacks one dollar oh thanks to make fun of him a little bit so yeah so we replaced that and got ready for the week but um it's tricky. I don't know that there's a really good answer for that. I think prioritizing what you know needs to get done yeah. on a particular day or in that week really helps. Like I knew today I had to film no ifs, ands, or buts. I wanted to film yesterday and I didn't. So that was a priority today. And I think when I start my day and I look at my planner, I just think what what is a non-negotiable? What has to get done today? And sometimes it's spending time with family. Like Danielle, you had your mom's birthday today. And other days it's, you know, doing a recording or getting your listings up or whatever, whatever it is. But I, I would say take care of the, the really important stuff first and then kind of set your expectations to a level that you can achieve them. Like instead of doing a list of 30 things, try to do three outside of your non-negotiables. I don't know. That's just a number I picked, but just something that, you know, you can get done and manageable so you feel accomplished. Yeah, I do the same thing. I have a top three that I absolutely have to do. Um, that are essential for me anyway, for that day. And then everything else is just, if I get to it, I get to it. And then I just kind of like, I keep rotating that list. So I basically create a list for the entire week. And then I pick my top three for each day. And then whatever mm -hmm. I don't get to just gets added on to whatever other day I can fit it into. 
Um, right. Like my calendar, I have like a week at a glance. And so there's a work section and a personal section and I do my list. And then I filter those into like my daily planner sometimes if it's a priority on a certain day. And then as they get done, I just take my highlighter and I cross them off and it feels so good. So like, I love when I look at my page spread, my two page mm-hmm. spread and it's all highlighter marks because yeah. that means I accomplished something that week. Best feeling. The best feeling is just checking the box or using a highlighter. And then you look at it, you're like, I did good. <laughs> I got things. Yeah, I did Exactly. Uh, okay. Do you want to do one of your questions? Do you want to go back and forth between our two lists? Oh yeah, that's 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 good. My first question <laughs> is so funny. <laughs> you have a secret Boston accent you've been hiding from us. I loved this question so much. I died. Um I do have a wicked good Boston accent if I want to use it. Um, but I, I've said this before. My husband and I moved to Connecticut uh when we first got married and I swear that's where I lost it. The the people of Connecticut made fun of my Boston accent, which I lived, I grew up in Lemonster. So that's about 40 miles west of Boston. Um, But it's still like, if if you guys talk to Jay, he talks super fast and he has much more of a Boston accent. I don't know how I lost it and he didn't. But um, yeah, it comes out every once in a while. I notice when I'm tired, it comes out a lot, but it's, it's totally not a conscious effort to not have my Boston accent because I think Boston accents are the best. Um, I just, I don't know. I've just lost it. And then we moved to San Francisco. So I, I moved away from like, you know, like 21 to 26. I wasn't living at home and I don't know, beat me out, beat it out of me. I don't know. I miss it. So yeah. I'm not hiding it. You just got to catch me at the right time. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard Lori's accent come out here and there. <laughs> It's in there. You just don't really hear it on our videos and stuff. Daniela's accent. There's no, there's no mistake. That is a Rhode Islander Cranstonian accent through and through. Through and through. Yeah. But our accents, you know, Boston and uh, Rhode Island are very different. Yes. So my accent is not a Bostonian accent whatsoever. There is very distinct. I would say you're more, you sound more like a New Yorker to me. Mm, Yeah. A lot of us from this area get that like New York, New Jersey Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. definitely it's, not boston no 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 not boston accent but i wish because i like the way they talk <laughs> all right okay. the next question we have here uh what made you decide to do a podcast uh funny story so i <laughs> i literally asked Lori if she wanted to do a podcast and that's how that went um but no mm-hmm. leslie from a reseller's passion um i had i was on her podcast uh, she interviewed me, and at the end of the interview, when we were done recording, she said to me, you know, you have a really great um, voice, and you speak very well. Why don't you do a podcast? And I was like, newbie reseller. Like, I had been, like, I mean, I've been reselling for a long time, but, like, actually reselling as a side hustle, uh, maybe three months. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, no, that that's not what this is about. Like, I'm here to sell clothes and make money, and that's it kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then time went on. And then I was on her podcast again, where I interviewed, uh, I interviewed Leslie on her own podcast. And uh, that at that moment, I was like, oh, I can totally do this. I can mm. absolutely have a podcast. I just don't want to do it alone because I, I like interacting with someone else. So I need to find someone that would want to do it with me. And then I met Lori not too long after that. Um, I had already been talking to Lori, but I was getting friendlier with Lori. And I just proposed it to Lori one night and uh, yeah, that's the rest is kind of history. We 
we yeah, planned. I, it was, it was it. like an impulse. Like, yeah. we're like, sure, sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I am not a planner. And so I think Daniela had been thinking of it for a while and then threw it out there to me. I'm like, sure. That sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> And it has been fun. It's and I knew nothing about like the podcast world. I mean, I, but you had been listening to podcasts. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to record a podcast. You're like, I'll take care of all that stuff. I'm like, okay, great. That'll work then. <laughs> yeah. And I, yes. I um, helped manage the podcast at my previous job as well and um, all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of experience when it came to the podcasting realm. Uh, I mean, I'm still learning new things with sponsorships and all this other stuff, but yeah, that's, that's what, kind of prompted the whole podcast thing but it's been fun that's fun that's a fun question too Mm -hmm. um okay another doozy of a question for me would you be able to do a video on your inventory system labeling organization oh boy (laughs) yeah i'm thinking whoever asked this question might not know me that well Um, so, but I will say, Daniela and I started to talk. I hired an intern today. I know, and I'm, I'm doing super excited to know about it. Yeah, so maybe this will help. Um, this is a good segue into that. I mean, I can give you the really quick version. Um, I don't know if you remember when I did the B&G trading unboxing with Angie and her girlfriends. Yes, I do. But the really spunky one in the middle with the crazy, beautiful, curly hair oh, who yeah, like, yeah. was kind of stealing mm-hmm. the show, that is my new intern. Oh, nice. Her name is Lindsay, and she is going to be a freshman at UMass, but she, uh, UMass... Um, in addition to being fully remote, was not letting students live on campus either. So Lindsay decided to take a gap year. A lot of Angie's friends took gap years. So Lindsay decided to take a gap year. So she's doing some nannying, but she is home right now. So she's here in town and we've kept in touch. And I've joked with her about modeling for me and just, you know, she just has a great eye for fashion and we get along so well and she's so much fun. So I just sent her an email. I'm like, I'm actually very serious about this. You know, I don't want to overwhelm you. I have so many different tasks. You do what you want, like where whatever makes you happy and makes you want to come to work, you can do. And I will work around whatever you want to do. And so she starts on Thursday and she's going to help me with listing. She's going to help me like with processing inventory, pulling stuff to go to thread up and bump, bump, bump. She's going to help me with my inventory. So that is my main, that is one of the big objectives um, to having Lindsay come on board with me is to be able to get my um, organization of my inventory under control once and for all, which is going to include pulling some inventory, um, you know, checking every single one of my bins to make sure everything is accounted for, assigning a been a number and all, all the stuff in the inventory system should be. So uh, more to come on that. I would say November ish. I keep pushing the date back, but we'll say November for now. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. And that's going to, you know, be a big weight lifted off your shoulders too, because you've been wanting to get to an inventory system and organizing it. Yeah. And I also think, you know, um, what they say, like when the house cleaner comes you clean for the house cleaner before she gets there, (laughs) we do at least. And, um, I feel that way about Lindsay. Like, I feel like if I know she's coming, 
I'm going to want my office in order. I'm going to have to have a plan for the day. I'm going to have to have more structure in my day than I would if it were just me. So I think it will kind of help me twofold because it will push me to be a little bit more organized because I'll have her for a finite period of time and time is money because obviously I'm paying her. So I want to make sure that when she's here, her time is spent wisely. So I think that will actually push me a little bit more to be on top of my game. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Love it. Yeah, my inventory system right now consists of just totes organized by category. Um, I don't have any sort of labeling or system put in place. I don't have the space for it. Um, when I do have the space for it, though, I will create an inventory system, which will be very time consuming and I'll, I'll dread every second of it, but I'll feel much better once it's done. Um, but the way I have it set up is like all my sweaters are in one uh, bin all my jeans are in two bins all my shoes are actually in like five different bins um because i'm i'm majority the majority of my selling is shoes and jeans um yeah so that's what it is right now i would love to have a system put in place but it's just not feasible where i am yeah we actually have a very similar system um yeah. i just think that my quantity is more so it gets more complicated the larger your inventory becomes so i think you know if you have under a couple hundred. I mean, you're over 200, but I mean, I think just the more it grows, the the more complicated it becomes when you don't have a number system. So yeah, I, I sort by category as well. And then I also sort by color. So if I have a, I have a row of four bins of tops and my athletic, like my tank tops are in a separate bin and my button down shirts are in a separate bin, but just like general blouses and like pullover knits, whatever. So there's four in a row. And then from left to right, they go literally the color of the rainbow. Like I start with creams and like light grays, and then I go red, red and orange in one bin, yellow and greens, and then blues and purples, and then dark gray and black in the last bin. But I mean, there's a lot of room for error there, you know? Yeah. And you're still going to like, even if you have an inventory system, it is still possible for you to lose items, you know, quote unquote, lose items, not be able to find them to make it stuck in between something like, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but um, having that system put in place is very helpful. So start early and don't be like me. (laughs) Or me. Okay. Next question. (laughs) So the next one is how do you find awesome brands where I thrift? I mostly find American Eagle, Old Navy, et cetera. Do you find better places to thrift? Does that take time and experience? Um, I think I can speak for Lori on this too. And I, and um, in our area, in New England in general, I think we're a little spoiled um, because we can find a lot of different types of brands uh, luxury, mid-tier, regular old mall brands. We can kind of find everything. Um, I do believe that the thrift stores do run dry sometimes and all we're finding is the mall brands like you've listed, American Eagle, Old Navy, um, Aerie, all those brands. There are times I walk into the thrift store, thrift store and that's all that's there. Um, yeah. It's not not always where you would expect. I mean, I have found little holes in the wall that have like black label Ralph Lauren and I'm pulling out, you know, just like these crazy brands that I would never expect, like in the basement of a church, you know? Um, And then you go to Savers and it's huge and you can walk out of there with nothing because it's all, you know, Style and Co and Macy's brands and uh, Old Navy and- and That's overpriced. (laughs) <laughs> yeah overpriced because yeah, i mean wrong I, with picking up those brands i think we should say that right like if that's all you're finding then if you can find it at the right 
price to resell it at, then by all means buy it because people look for it. Yeah. And there are some really successful business models that have, you know, flourished with that with selling mall brands because that's what's in their area. So yeah, there's this, there's no shame in the game. Like you, you do what works for you. I know we're always searching for those higher end brands that are going to bring a lot of money. Um, I also think, yes, I think because Daniela and I live close to cities as well. I, I think it's like yeah. an urban thing. I think when you're close to a city, a metropolitan area, I think that you tend to um, see, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. People let us know. I mean, maybe like some rural pe- rural folks that live in like maybe rural Vermont or places like that, maybe you're finding more outdoorsy brands, um, but they're still high end, you know? So yeah. like cool and Patagonia and things like that. I hear a lot like in the Pacific Northwest or in Colorado or up in New Hampshire, you find a lot of that stuff. It really depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. And it, well, the one person that pops into my head, Lori, is Mira and the things that she finds at her bins and she's in Maine. So I don't the know. stuff Mira finds... I don't even talk about everything it. I would think about Maine. I mean, she pulls out so many designer brands out of those bins. I, I have no idea where they're coming from. Me <laughs> no, but I mean, I, you know, there is money everywhere and there's there style and fashion everywhere. And that just goes to show you can never judge a book by its cover. And that gets back to like the, the basement church thrift where I have found some really amazing things. You just never know. No, you don't. And I think it does take time and experience to reflect on what places are worth your time to go to. So that's where I think the time and experience goes into. And then understanding what sells for you. Because I honestly can't sell Old Navy or Target brands, but I can sell American Eagle. But that took Mm -hmm. time for me to learn that. Because the only way I learned that was by selling my own stuff that I have. Um, But different things sell for different people. So what works for me may not work for Lori and vice versa. Um, But I do think with time and experience, you find the places that work for you and the items that work for your business. Yeah. And one thing I just want to add to that before we move on to the next question is I think what comes with um, time and experience is brand recognition. Like I'm sure that when I first started I'm sure I passed over brands that would have brought me a lot of money. I'm sure I still pass over brands that would bring a lot of money that I just don't recognize. And maybe I don't have time to run a comp or it's just something I miss. In fact, if you watched um, Hope's Hall from um, when she was out here visiting Boston, we shopped at the same place and I had passed on a purse literally because I was too lazy to look it up. I'm like, this looks like really good quality. The stitching's really beautiful. This leather's really nice. And it was marked up at the store. It was like $12.99. I'm like, I don't feel like running the comps right now. Like my arms were full, blah, blah, blah. So the next day we went back, Hope pulls the same bag and she's like, this bag's interesting. I'm like, oh my God, I I passed on that yesterday because I was too lazy to look up the comps. (laughs) The comps were freaking ridiculous. Like it was. Four to five hundred dollars resale, ridiculous! What? Like you're such an ass, Lori. Yeah, and it was literally like it was an, a brand I didn't know, and I didn't take the time to look up the comps. And Hope was just laughing because like the comps were insane, insane. I mean, obviously, even when you're dealing with like 
Christian Dior or Louis Vuitton or whatever. I mean, sometimes you sell the Gucci bag for $1,000 and sometimes you sell the old Gucci bag for $79. So there's always a huge range. But no, this bag was really nice and the comps were really, in- I- I'll have to ask Hope what the brand was. Yeah, so I still miss stuff all the time, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I have a story about that when I first started reselling, maybe within two months of me starting. Um, I didn't know that Burberry's with the S was the vintage oh, yes. line of Burberry. Well, mm-hmm. I had happened to be in a Savers in, uh, I think I was in Norwood and, um, uh, there were three of them and I had no oh, idea what they were. They and were I, oh yeah. Yep. And I look back at that now and I'm like, oh, you fool. Like the amount of money you could have, and they were, they were brand new, brand new. And I just didn't realize what they were. I just didn't know. I was like, what is Burberry's? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, live and learn, kids. You're like, that's a knockoff. Yes, yeah, so I think even more so than, um, you know, just randomly finding stuff, it just becomes a matter of knowing the brands, knowing the labels to look for. And a lot of the, like these subtle brands, yeah, I don't know, like some of the, the minimalist brands, especially right now, people could easily pass by if they, if they weren't looking. So yeah, that's a great question. Okay. Um, Funny enough. This one makes me laugh. (laughs) Oh, do you have a yearly thrifting budget? Um, I should. (laughs) No, what? I should. I am keeping track of my monthly on a tracker now for the first time. So I've been doing this for over two years and I just started doing a visual monthly tracker um, that I record things vertically going down and I just like write down how much I spend, but I probably spend between like five and $700 a month on inventory. Yeah. I seem to be heading in that direction as well. I was a very consistent, like 150 to $250. And, um, over the last six months, it's been very hard to maintain. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I've definitely gone towards the $500 or more a month, depending on what I'm finding. Um, and the price points. So the price points are higher now around here. So we're kind of adjusting our sourcing methods to match what the... I don't think my price points are changing, to be honest, Daniela. Oh, um, I, I mean, I think because I'm still mixing in like the bins and yard yeah. sales and stuff like that. I think you source, you source primarily at Savers, I feel. Savers and Salvation Army. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, I would agree. It's, it's hard to stay on budget in, in just a little note about how much you and I are spending. I mean, I'm spending enough. I, I could probably not source for two months and still have plenty of inventory that I could relist, make adjustments, yeah, same. go through a couple of things in my death pile, pull a few things from my closet. So I wouldn't say that that is out of need. It's not need-based for me. Need-based for me would probably be about three or $400 tops per month to just keep new things coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, what I'm doing now when I look like at it visually is I'll say, excuse me, I've already sourced like twice this week. I really don't need to go. Like I was supposed to meet Mira at the bins tomorrow actually. And I canceled yesterday and I just said, I just can't do it. I hit a huge estate sale yesterday and a yard sale and I took 50 pieces home yesterday. So now I'm getting better about saying it's, but it's not about the money for me. It's about the clutter and the chaos. So I looked and I said, I just have too much to process. I'm going to be stressed because bins is always a bulky day and it's exhausting. 
and it's a drive. So I was like, you know what? I would rather just be fresh and get all these pieces from the weekend listed and then have one day with Lindsay here this week and then maybe go to the bins on Friday and just feel like, ah, I'm so excited. So I'm trying, it's, it, for me, it's more about stuff and quantity than money. Yeah. I, um, I am not sourcing this week. I'm going to throw that out there. I don't need to source for probably three weeks. So mm-hmm. um, I have a friend who was very kind and gave me a large bag of over a hundred pairs of a- athletic wear. So I uh, do not need to do any sourcing. I do have a bag and a half of stuff that I got last week um, from Savers. I just haven't had time with my mom's birthday and everything to list but I have plenty of stuff to list. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I am good. I'm going to be good this month and, um, just make money. That's my, that's my goal. I'm not going to spend. I'm going to make. That's great. I think it's really easy. Like you have a big day, like, like you said, you get the influx from a friend, which is awesome. But now that's a hundred pieces you have to process. We talked about this before we started the podcast tonight. Um, and then you have like a social event, like mom's birthday. And then all of a sudden, you know, your week looks very different than if you had maybe sourced 15 items and had your Sunday to yourself. So I think it can be, you can quickly get behind the eight ball if you're sourcing without doing the rest of the work, you know, it's, it's just, it's just life happens, you know? So that's why listing consistently can really just help you stay above water. Yeah. The more you list, the better for me anyway, the more I list, the better I feel. Um, I feel like I'm being productive. I'm getting things done. Stuff's put away, you know. And you're selling more when you're listing. So I think it's just overall moving your business forward. Yes. And Um, whether you're listing American Eagle or whether you're listing Prada, it, 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 it matters, but it doesn't matter. Like in a sense, it's like, just keep listing what you have, take good, clear pictures and just keep moving forward. And and that's going to help your business. Use the app photo room. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yes. What a game changer. Hope. Thank you so much. Yes. That was just amazing. A lot of people have asked about it. So yeah, if you all want to download the app, um, photo room, um, I actually have an affiliate link, um, but, but I mean, you can do it for free. Even if you use the link, just go in through or just do it on your own. Um, there's a free version and you just get the crispest, whitest background, but I have found Daniela that I am still using PicTap go like when hope and I did the video, um, I just didn't know too much about the app. I had done a few listings with it, but I am using PicTap Go to still lighten images that are dark. And then I get that crisp white background and then I'm off to the races. It's just awesome. I love yeah, it. that's what I'm doing too. I'm still using Lightroom or Snapseed, depending on what I need to do. And then I'm going in to Photo Room to get the white background. Yeah, the white background is just so gratifying. I just love it. It is. Satisfying. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Okay. Um, did you just ask that last question? No, I have a thrifting budget. You're up. You did. So my question that I have here is what is the most, it's kind of going off the same trend. What is the most you're willing to spend on an item in the thrift store? It totally depends on the item that I'm finding. Like, I don't even know how to, like, it really depends. Like if I find, uh, okay, for example, there was a pair of fry boots Mm-hmm. Uh, at a savers that I went to and they had them priced at twenty one ninety nine. I bought them because I'll sell them. They were in oh, perfect sure. condition. Yeah. In a, you know? in a heartbeat. Yeah. It depends. I have, 
Yeah, it totally depends. It totally depends. Um, I had, I came very close today. I had a consignment appointment and this is the same one again that I went to with hope and I passed on that Burberry's Burberry's with the S at the end vintage, like overnight bag. Um, it was half off in the store that day. So the bag would have been a hundred dollars and I've been kicking myself ever since for not buying it. And so I was there today, sales, not applicable, but now there's been two markdowns. So now it's down to $136. And I was like holding it. I was walking around the store with it. I was like, do I want this? I filmed a vintage haul today. I'm like, this would be like the icing on the cake for my vintage haul today. <laughs> and then I was like, just put it down, Lori. Like I just, um, but again, I didn't take the time to run comps. Hope said she saw comps that were $800. I didn't see comps quite that high. And I wasn't like really taking the time. And I was annoyed that I had to pay $36 more than I would have a few weeks ago. So I passed on it, but I came very close to buying it for $136 with the hopes of flipping it for like 400 or more say. Yeah. I probably would have passed to at 136. Yep. I did. Yeah. It's tough because there are times you find items and you have such high hopes for them and you're like, yeah, I'll absolutely pay up for this. I mean, I'm sure you've gone through it too, Lori, whether it's retail arbitrage or just at thrift store and you pay up for it and then it sits and sits and sits. And then finally you get an offer that you'll, you know, come close to doubling or at least make something off of it. And you're like, okay, fine. I'm just going to take it. Um, so not yeah. everything you pay up for is worth it. So it is a lot I, of I found that the, the most I've been burned is with retail arbitrage and not even like big money. Like I, I bought a bunch of J crew bathing suit separates last summer and I paid $5 for each separate and I have them listed for like $25 and they retail for like 40 or 50 cannot sell those to sell my life. And I've, I've priced them down as low as $17 with discounted shipping and they just aren't selling. And then I bought a bunch of made well turtlenecks that were five or $6 I think I bought multiples. I bought like 10 of them in all different sizes. Cause I'm like, Oh, this will be just like a cute basic for the fall turtlenecks are in. I have not sold one or maybe I've sold one and I have them listed again, 25 or $29 and sending offers out. People are liking them. And I'm just like, I, I, that was a waste. Like I just, I find I get most burnt on retail arbitrage. Yeah. So there's, there's multiple reasons for that too, whether it becomes saturated or, you know, there's so many different things that go with it. Oh, I, absolutely. I personally find that, um, I'm not picking up as many basic pieces. When I say basic, I mean like t-shirts or tank tops or, you know, just very plain blouses, yeah. stuff like that. I'm not grabbing anymore because it's literally a dime a dozen when it comes to reselling platforms. And you can easily go to these stores like TJ Maxx and Marshall's right now and buy them very inexpensively. Um, so it's not worth it for me. So I'm really trying to be particular on what I am paying up for. So for me right now, paying up for a pair of boots or a nice leather handbag is worth it given the season that we're going into, or even a coat or a trench coat or something, worth mm -hmm. it right now for me going into the season that we're going into. Yeah, 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 it, it's you really want to look closely at what you're willing to pay up for. So I don't know. It remains to be seen if I should buy that Burberry's bag, but I'm still waiting on it. It's been there for a long time. So I just think the price is just going to keep going down and maybe I'll get it when it's a hundred bucks and use it. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, if, at that point, so I do the same thing. It's like, Oh, well, I mean, if I buy it for myself and I use it for a little bit, then I can totally justify it. And then I'm going to make money on it. There you go. There yeah, you go. Okay. I get this question a lot. How long did it take you to see consistent sales in your reselling business? Um, 
I would say, I, I, I try to remember when I hit it time-wise. I think when I was at like around 500 listings, I started getting like daily sales. I would say at like 250 listings, I was getting consistent sales. And by that, I was probably doing like, I don't know, maybe like five to 10 sales in a week. Um, and that was really good for me. I, you know, I have set different financial goals for myself as my business has grown. And I remember when I first started reselling, I was replacing a job where I was, you know, working at the doll hair salon at American Girl, making like $17, $18 an hour, working like eight hours a week. So really say it was even 10 hours a week. I'm like, I have to replace $170 each right. week. So that was my goal. I was like, you know, if I can, if I can sell $200 a week, This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Um, you know, before Poshmark fees, I'll be replacing my income at American Girl. And that was my first goal was to replace that small part-time job. And then it's increased um, as time has gone on. And I've, I've moved to full-time and just, I have a lot more business expenses now that I'm full-time. So I have, I have more overhead with website and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I'm hiring like with when Lindsay comes on board. Yeah. So like as your, as your um, expenses go up, your financial goals have to go up as well. But yeah, that, that's, that was when I kind of started seeing consistent sales, like between 300 and 500. What about you, Daniela? Um, I don't know if there's a number per se for me when it comes to consistent sales. It's more so when I'm consistent with all of the things when it comes to reselling, that's when I have the most consistent sales. So whether that be listing, you know, five to 10 items a day and cross-listing them to other platforms or making sure that I'm picking up and listing things that are in high demand or that are sought after. Um, I will say though, when you reach the 500 item mark and on Poshmark anyway, um, there is something that I think gets triggered uh, because it, I do notice more activity because I'm at about five, five thirty-five now, and um, mm -hmm. there is something about it. I don't know what it is, um, but there's something about when you get to that five hundred or close to the five hundred mark that you are getting more sales um, if you have the right items. I do want to throw like it's yeah, not. I, I also I think that you make a good point. It really isn't so much about numbers, um, and I've had this conversation with other people before, like they're super, super selective about what they're putting in their closet and they are high ticket items and they are sought after items. And so they sell very fast, you know, so for every one, um, you know, love shack, fancy dress that somebody posts and makes $150 offer off of, and I post, you know, a pair of American Eagle jeans, you know, maybe, maybe a couple high sought after items, but I mean, maybe a couple of Navy t-shirts, you know, it might take longer to sell those things, or I might sell them at a cheaper price. So it all kind of comes out in the wash, but yeah, I think your point is really good that the listing is really the most important part in buying good things. Yeah. Because I, I think 
it's important to know that there are some resellers out there that keep their inventory very low and their Poshmark sellers, like they keep it between the 200 to 250 mark. Um, I think Mogi Beth is one of these that um, her inventory is pretty low. And I mean, she's very successful. Um, and you can be successful. You don't have to necessarily have a ton of stuff. It all depends on what it is that you want to specialize in when it comes to your reselling business, whether it's selling a little bit of everything or it's your very particular and you're selling mid-tier luxury items, whatever it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's so many different business models that work. Um, one last thought on that is I, I do think where the numbers come in handy is for bundling. And I think yes. that when people have enough selection in your closet or when you offer enough selection for people to shop, that they can start bundling things. Um, that's really nice. And then I think with bundles, you get a lot of repeat buyers and sales increase. When you start adding three or four bundles a week to your mix or more, you know, you'll notice that your number, your numbers increase. Like today I had a bundle that sold for $75 independently. Those three items, you know, maybe 38, $40, $28. I gave a 30% off discount to get to the 75. So on its own, it was a little over a hundred dollars. None of those three items. One was like a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt that I had listed for $28. Like they weren't big ticket items on their own. Um, but when they sold together, it was a really nice sale for me. Yeah. Uh, to go off of that, if you guys want to run a sale of some sort, and then I think this is where Lori has a lot of success with her sales, like the 50% off sale or the buy one, get one. Um, mm -hmm. free sale. Lori has so many items, so it's easier for people to come in and bundle to get to take advantage of that sale. Um, not that that can't be done if you only have 100, 200 items, because it can be done, but mm -hmm. having the 1,200 or however many in your closet makes it easier for someone to come in and shop. Right, because the odds that I'll have somebody's size or style or, you know, it just increases with the numbers. I mean, it's random. I don't, I don't buy for size typically. I mean, I, I am staying away from really small jeans right now as I bought a pair of 24 size jeans last week, but, <laughs> but yeah, so I sell all sizes. Same. Uh, so I'm going to actually skip and go to the next question since we were talking about it. Um, is extra small, small, zero, double zero difficult to sell or is it difficult to sell because I'm new to reselling? Um, hmm. So I think, a, I don't think it's difficult to sell. I think that if that's all you're finding, then it limits who you can sell to. Um, because everyone is, everyone's different sizes, right? Whether it's an, a double zero or a size 28 in jeans plus size, um, it doesn't matter. Everyone needs clothes. <laughs> it doesn't matter what size you are. I do think that if all you're listing are those sizes, cause that's all you're finding, then it makes it difficult to make, to make the sales. That's just my opinion on that. Yeah. You know what? Something that shocked me when I uh, was looking at my stats on seller insight this month, which, which is an, uh, which is an app that kind of gives you some um, analytics size. Small was my number one selling size for the month of August. And I was so shocked Yeah, uh, because I'm always trying to add, I'm always trying to add trendy plus size pieces to my closet because I find plenty of plus size items. I don't find plenty of pretty plus size items that I would want to wear. 
Um, so when I do find them, I add them to my store, but I was really shocked to see that I had a lot of small sizes that sold. Maybe that's just because I have a lot of small sizes in my closet. I don't know. But like you said, there are different sizes. We need sizes everywhere. I will say that maybe some of the smaller sizes are more saturated. Cause I always say like, that's the smaller sizes are the first thing that, you know, generally speaking, people grow out of like even right. Daughter was like a size 25. Well, she's still a size four right now, but none of her 25s fit, and some of her 26s are getting tight because she's a woman now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like that was the first thing to go. So I think as as people get older and fill in or whatever, just growth, not even gaining weight, just natural growth. Like yeah. all these tiny sizes sometimes end up at the thrift store, which I think there's so much abundance of the smaller sizes. I try to shop the larger sizes first when I have um, limited time. So I'll, you know, I try to get the Madewell jeans and the size that's like gold finding Madewell, like in a size 12 or 14, you know, but in a size 24, not as much, but I, I sell all the different sizes. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think um, being new to reselling changes that or you know if you have more experience if it makes it better I just think it depends on who's looking for that specific item at the time and if they happen to be that size or not so pick up all the sizes yeah I would agree because yeah. unlike knowing brands everybody knows size so you know right. you, you're not going to pass over a large if you're looking for it where you might pass over a brand that you don't recognize so yeah I don't think that has to do with experience I just think it has to do with luck and yeah. what you're finding I agree yeah. Okay. Where was I? Um, the next oh, this is how do you balance home life? I got the same question. Okay. Yeah. So best and worst flips of all time. Ooh, that's a good one. I know what yours is. You go first. Cause I don't know what mine is. My best. I don't know what my worst flip is. I don't think I've had a worst flip yet. I think all my flips have been, I've at least made my money back on all my flips, but my best flip, I have two best flips. My first one, and both were from the real real, um, was a Christian Dior uh, vintage dress that I found at the bins. Uh, I paid probably less than a dollar for it, and um, I made I, it sold for fourteen hundred. Um, I made Ooh, yeah, I, I, I made I don't know nine. 800, 900, something like that on it. I don't remember oh now. I'd have to look back. Yeah. So that was an amazing flip. And then another one was a Max Mara cashmere um, trench coat that I found at Savers for 369, I think it was. And I had 20% off. Um, I ended up flipping that on the real reel for $1,200. So oh my gosh. Yeah. That finally so sold. these were like a dime a dozen. Like these don't happen often. So um, that was, those were my two best flips. I can't think of a worst flip. Like I've had items that have sat for a while. Um, but then I've always made money on them. I've never lost money on an item yet. It's yeah. Gonna I don't think I've ever lost money. I, I think my worst flip, I guess, was a pair of boots that I sold for like $18 because they had been hanging around forever and they sold on eBay and I had to send them to like Portland. And so clear across the country. I think they sold for 18 and I think they cost like $16 to ship. So pretty much broke even or lost money on that. And that's when I, now I'm very selective about shoes that I will list on eBay or I have to really factor in shipping yeah. um, and how I price stuff or what I charge for shipping. But that was probably, that was very early on 
Um, and I probably was like, oh, free shipping and just wasn't even thinking about it. And yeah, that was, that was a miss for me. Yeah. I don't think I've had any of those, but I will say, um, when it comes to this kind of stuff, like it, it's all with experience, like my best flips in for that time period were the brands, but sometimes the best flip could be just an item that maybe has some type of sentimental value to you, or maybe it's a brand that you really like, or a brand that, or maybe it's a vintage piece that you found. Like it doesn't have to always be about money, but yeah. in these cases, I mean, it was money. <laughs> yeah. In those cases, it was money. That was awesome. I have never made that much on a sale ever. I think one of my favorite flips, and I can't even remember the dollar amount right now, were the um, Giuseppe Zanotti wild that was an heels amazing that I flip. found. Yeah. That was a good flip. I paid like $4 for those shoes at Savers. They were on a bottom rack and there were these wild spiked heels um, with like, they were white leather and the leather came like, you know, past your ankle in the front, like covered them. I mean, it looked like something that like Elton John would have worn yeah. and um, with all these silver studs. And I think they sold for like two seventy five on I think I listed them for three seventy five, and they sold for two seventy five or two fifty. Okay. Um, I was just looking. Yeah, so that was that was a really good flip. That was that was exciting, and you know, with something that's so crazy like that, you don't know if that's a pair of shoes that's going to sit forever or that will sell quickly. And those sold relatively quickly. And then my Rothie story, which is is very recent, yes. um, where I found Rothies at the bins, and they flipped. I got an offer within hours of listing for $200. I listed them at 300 and I slept on it. And then the next day I accepted the offer. So I think sometimes a flip that is just immediate like that is such a rush because you just never know when you list something. You could, you could have the best thing in the world and it could still sit waiting for the right buyer. And so much of the time it's luck. Oh, I had a really good flip with um, – a gunny sacks dress too, oh, where I listed it. Ago. I took a shower. Yeah, that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I got it for like two or four dollars at an estate sale. I photographed it. I listed it. Oh, that was what like one twenty five, one fifty. I think it was one fifty that sold for. Hopped into the shower and I came out and it was sold full price. You know, I just sometimes you just get lucky. So those flips are fun when they happen so quickly. But then yeah. you're like, I've charged more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just had that situation too with a pair of gym shorts that I sold that were rare and sought after. And I was like, did I price it too low? I thought that was high that I priced it at. And then you second guess yourself, but whatever, it's money. <laughs> it's <laughs> money know? and it's gone. You know, I say this yeah. all the time. I, I rarely say, oh, I wish I didn't take that offer. Like when I move something, even yeah. if it's not what I wanted, but I say all the time, like, damn it, why didn't I take that offer? Or why did I counter? That was a reasonable offer. So I say my regrets for not accepting an offer far outweigh my regrets for accepting an offer, if that makes sense. Yeah, same here. Unless it happens to be some really rare piece that you had no idea about, you know, and this and someone else swoops in and grabs and it. About like, but that hasn't happened to me yet, knock on wood. So yeah, it's not like I've had this like priceless thing that I charged right. 20 bucks for and someone flipped it for 3000. No. That would that would be tough. That would break one. my no. heart. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. Uh, all right. The next question I have is what is your favorite brand to resell? Um I have too many to name. Mm. However, mm. I think I have, I can break it down to at least like a top three that I like to resell. Um, so the first one is I love to sell Everlane. I love selling Everlane jeans. 
um, Everlane pieces in general, typically like their sweaters or their jackets, um, their shoes, their regular basic tops don't really do well, um, but I do like to sell Everlane. Uh, another brand that I love to sell, but it's impo not impossible, but it's very difficult to find, I should say, is Cezanne. Um, it's mm -hmm. amazing, but it's it, very difficult to come across. I mean, I've found two pieces ever. Didn't you just find a piece recently? And I, it sold the day I listed it on eBay for $100. Yeah. The resale on it is just crazy. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's one of those things that when you list it, people are always searching for it. Um, like, so if you go to, if people are, are putting ISO in search of, I tend to do that when I find Cezanne or if I find, um, like Lululemon and it's a rare piece, mm -hmm. I'll search to see if other people are looking for it in the size that I have. Um, but yeah, my third brand is Lululemon. Those are my top three that I love. Cezanne, I guess, isn't the most practical because it's not something that I find, but I do love. It's one of my favorite brands. Right. That's like a bolo. Yeah, I, I guess you can put Rothy's on there. I mean, there's like the ones that everyone wants to find, but those three are my favorites. <sighs> I don't even know if I have favorites. Um, I love to sell Fry. I'm like looking through my sold listings. Yeah, I love Fry too. I mean, I can't just pick one. I would have like a list yeah, of things. <laughs> I do love Fry. Um, I've been liking Eileen lately. Eileen's shoes have been treating me well. Um, I love to sell Miracle Suit. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I'm just looking through sold listings. Miracle Suit is always like consistent for me, but that's not like a sexy brand at all. That's just like this sells. Um, I don't know. I, I like to find free people, but free people has been sitting for me quite a bit lately. Um, I like Madewell, but same thing. A lot of these brands are becoming saturated now, where maybe if you asked us this question a year ago, it would have been made well. It would have been exactly. free people. Even like my Johnny Was stuff is sitting. Yeah, and I think it's, so here's my theory on that. I think all these brands that are coming into the runway section of TJ Maxx are, are just more common or easily attainable for people. You can get them. They're- Exactly. So like that would, that would be like frame- um, yeah. Yes. A Goldie, uh, Johnny Was. Yep. I'm trying to think of something. I mean, Veronica Beard is now in TJ Maxx, too. And yeah. it's that old rack. So, you know, when you start to really invest time into the research of reselling, you'll start to see, you'll start to see these different brands pop up in different places. And just the other day, I think it was Friday, um, DSW had a thing with Gucci. Gucci's now on DSW. So... What does that really? mean? Yeah. So what does that mean about Gucci? Whether it was a pop-up or not, it doesn't matter. It was on DSW. So, you know, what does that mean about the brand? Is the brand not doing well? All these different thoughts, right, start to run through your mind when you get really invested in the fashion world and what's going on. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that- I'm just going to run through. This is like, uh, not like- what our question was, but I just want to give like a recap of like sales I've had yeah. this week. Um, so I sold, I did sell this free people sweater today for $30, but I had it listed at 55, took a $30 offer, a pair of Nike dry fit nylon running shorts, 15 bucks, a Lauren Conrad sold at Kohl's kimono, $19, okay. a pair of Zara boots for 80. Those were new. Um, a new with tag anthropology camo jacket that I obsessed over, bought five of them, paid $40 for each one of them. And the jacket sold for $85, not a good buy. 
an American Eagle sweater for 20, a Bowden sweatshirt for 20, Lily Pulitzer phone case charm 27, Ralph Lauren loafers. Like these are not, I, I sold like a vintage uh, Reebok fanny pack for 30 bucks. I don't know. Like my brands are not super high end as I read through them. I, I'm selling a lot of bread and butter. And then you, like lucky shoes for 50. Like, I don't know. A Nike sweatshirt for kids, 20 bucks. <laughs> I'll stop now. But yeah, I don't No, but but you know what I mean? Like I don't have a lot of like those super high end brands, but I have consistent sales. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't, there, there's no right or wrong. I, I, I can't even like, my sales are all over the place. And I also think like, as I'm reading through a lot of those, a lot of them are comfort brands. Everybody's home. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, there are people selling those investment pieces that are more money that are over $150. Um, there are people still going places, but I think generally the world's kind of in comfy work from home mode right now. Yes, ma'am. Also get me off the DSW website. I went to go look to see if they sell the Gucci shoes and they do. And there's a really cute pair of loafers. Get off the website, Daniela. Get off the website. <laughs> you don't need it. Oh my god. The gosh. prices are actually um, really good. So if you're a, if you're a Gucci girl, I mean the prices of these shoes are between like two ninety nine and three ninety nine, which is crazy. Crazy. Wow, that's great. That's great. Right? I'll have to check it out. Yes. <laughs> shoes or bags? Shoes. <laughs> Shoes. Fun. I know. Awesome. All right. Your turn, Lori. All right. Describe each other in one oh, word. I same question. <laughs> I think that's from Jess. Yes, it is. It's from Jess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Who's going first? Uh, I'll go first. Um, describe Lori in one. They have so many words to describe Lori, though. Um, I would say <laughs> nurturing. Lori is nurturing. Yes. Lori is um, a, a positive influence on me and on my life. Lori is like a big sister that I never had because I am the oldest in my family. But uh, Lori is like a big sister. So, you know, if, if I'm about to jump off a cliff, Lori's the one that's like, all right, Danielle, like, relax. Just let's <laughs> take a step back and let's reassess. You know, that, that's Lori. Lori's like the calming one. And um, mm. and that, so yes, Lori is very nurturing and she's also a mommy of three. So that, that also plays a part into it. it helps. But I laugh all the time when, when I pledge to sorority, um, everybody gets a name like sister party animal, sister, guess what mine was? It was sister mom. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> when I was 20, you know, but like, I think that's always been a thing with me, but oh, thank you. Um, I was, I'm trying to think of you, Daniela, too. I have, I have, yeah, there are a lot, like, to try to just pick one. Yeah, it's um, hard. I think you're bold. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. I feel like you go for things and you just kind of, you get your mind on something and you're like, let's do it. And you just kind of, like the podcast, like, I remember when we started the podcast and I was like, we were like, well, what should we call it? I'm like, I'm not sure. I've been kicking around this idea. I kind of like the name Thrifter's Villa. And like in 30 seconds, like you sent me like a Canva beautiful thing with our logo in like 10 minutes. Like you just, you went for it. You know what I mean? I think you're bold. And I don't know. I think it's great. I, I think there are a lot of people that sit back and let life happen to them. And I feel like you go for stuff. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you, Lori. We <laughs> mesh together very well because we balance each other out. I am yes. all, we are very similar, but very different at the same time, which is why 
this friendship works. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, I know, I feel like I'm the master of chill sometimes, although not always certain things I can be very in intense was my other word for you. Oh yeah. I can be intense. <laughs> um, right. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I wish I had more intensity and there are things that I can be super intense about and other things I just let slide and where I, so. where I envy your ability to be so relaxed and calming. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have, like, I, I am a very calm person, but I have to keep doing things where you are, are not like that. I mean, you do things, but it's, it's different. We take different, um, approaches on different things. approach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I always say that like, I'm super calm until I'm not like, you know, oh, that deadline, like, like today I was like a crazy person trying to edit before the podcast and I actually didn't get it done. So sometimes it does bite me in the ass when I wait till the last minute um, to do things, but I typically get stuff done. I just kind of take the day in stride. Like Jay wanted to go to Lowe's. I'm like, sure, I'll go to Lowe's. I haven't spent much time with him today because I've been editing. So I took like an hour and a half break when I should have wrapped that up so I could have posted my video. So it doesn't always work out, but Hey, we are who we are. Yes. And we make it work. <laughs> that was a fun question, Jess. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Jess, for that question. Uh, my last question that I have here is what is your best and worst experience as a reseller? Um, my best experience would be what's going on right now every day in my reselling world. And it's just the community aspect of it all. Uh, mm -hmm. getting to know everyone and learning from everyone because I'm learning things every single day from everyone, whether they're new or veteran resellers, I'm always learning stuff. So I think that's the best, best experiences that I've had have been just from the community itself. Um, worst experience, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say any experiences are bad or I would put them in like the worst category. They're all lessons that I've had to learn, whether it's um, maybe something that I did as a seller, um, not intentionally to a buyer, maybe I didn't wrap something correctly, maybe it broke in transit and I could have done better with that. Um, maybe it was lack of communication on, on my part to the seller, you know, wh whatever. Um, I haven't really had an experience where I, where I, you know, would, would classify as a worst experience. They've all been learning experiences for me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, good answers. I, I would say that for best experience for me, uh, it is, it's actually not a specific experience. It's, um, the best part of this whole experience for me has been the doors that have opened for me since I took this leap of faith and started reselling and started YouTube and just started down this path. Like, similar to what you said, Daniela, like the relationships have just overwhelmed me. Um, I have, I had a very full life before reselling with friends who will be my friends forever. And I really didn't think there was any room left for more. And yet I've met all these incredible people through reselling. And I've, I've challenged myself in ways at 47 years old that I never thought I would. I mean, I thought I was kind of going to coast <laughs> once my kids got older. I felt like, okay, I was the stay-at-home mom and I did all this stuff. And, and now, now what? Like, I, I really had no idea what the now what was. And then I started this. And, and, and now it's like, I wish I had started 20 years 
prior to now. And I just, I feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I wake up every day, like excited to do this job. So that's been the best part for me. So not like one experience, just like as a whole, like I can't believe I get to do this every day. I love it. Yeah. Um, worst experience. I do have a worst experience and it was the guy on eBay who like, Oh, that's totally, right. That was your yeah, first eBay feel, transaction, as, wasn't it? Like as. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just a return is all it was. Yeah. I, I sold a Tommy Bahama shirt that was a size 4X that I got at the bins and I provided measurements for, yada, yada. I won't bore you with the details, but the guy first, um, you know, said it wasn't a 4X and then I had the measurements. So that backed me up. eBay went in my favor. He kind of got threatening. And it was kind of, I was, I'm not new to eBay. I've been on, I just got a $25 gift. Oh my God, I think I forgot to use it. I got a $25 gift card from eBay for being on the app for 25 years. It made me feel very old, but, um, (laughs) oh, I'll be so mad if I lost that money. I think I did. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I've been on eBay forever, but, um, I just didn't have a lot of experience with returns. And once he was turned down from eBay, he then filed a complaint with PayPal so like you said, Daniela, it really was a learning experience, but it was probably the worst experience. But my takeaway from it was I should have just given him his freaking $30 back because it was not worth the time and energy um, that took away from my business, um, writing letters to PayPal, writing letters to eBay, going back and forth with this guy, fighting it, documenting stuff. I should have just given him his money back and just moved forward and saved my mental health. But this was a big like principle thing. And sometimes I get caught up in the principle of what's right and wrong when it comes to returns or whatnot. And I've learned that it's just part of being in business and it's part of retail. You're going to have returns. You're going to have customers who lie and that's it. Most of 99% of my customers are amazing. So you just take that 1% and you move forward. So it was a learning experience, but that was bad. I, that, that like derailed me. I don't think I listed on eBay for like two months after that. That was when we met at the bins that day and you were telling me about that. I remember. Yeah, it was a while ago. I'm still scarred. <laughs> it wasn't even that big of a deal. <laughs> All right. Um, this is from Heidi. Uh, is YouTube a creative outlet, a business strategy, or blank for each of you? Uh, I would say it's both for me. For me, okay. it's a business strategy, but also a way for me to be creative when I have the opportunity to be creative and teach others because teaching is what I'm passionate about. Hmm. Um, I think YouTube 150% started out as a creative outlet for me. I had no expectation when I started other than I wanted to share my excitement for what I picked up. And so it started out very creative. I think as my channel has grown and it's now become um, an income stream for me, now I have that I want to keep it going. I want it to grow. I want to, I want to stay relevant in all that. Um, I don't really like that though. I liked when I had no idea about the analytics and I didn't care what my thumbnail looked like. And I was just super excited because I just, you know, got 50 pounds at the bins and I wanted to come home and share my excitement with everybody. I liked not knowing anything about YouTube truthfully. And now I wake up in the morning and I look at my analytics and I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, I want to post this and this video didn't do well. And I honestly hate that part of it because 
I don't ever want to become that person. <laughs> I just don't. I just, I want to keep creating. And I think that stifles my creativity sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do it because I love it. Um, but, it, but it's definitely grown a little bit more. And, and then you, you ask the question, like, when is enough? Like right now I'm like, I can't wait to hit 10,000. I hope I hit 10,000 subscribers, but then it's like, okay, then you hit that. And then what? You hit <laughs> 10,000 and 30,000 and yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't like the, the numbers part of it, you know? Um, but it, but it's, but it is part of it. And and I think I really enjoy YouTube. So that's why I'm kind of in this balancing act. Like, how much am I going to put into it? Like, is two videos a week the right number? There's all that sort of stuff. But no, I actually really like YouTube a lot, a lot. Um, and it's becoming more creative with the editing stuff that I'm trying to learn, but failing miserably at, but still enjoying learning. <laughs> Your editing is just fine, my friend. Uh. It, it, you know, we're good. We're good for now. We're as good as iMovie can be. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good question too. Um, we have a few more here. What was your most memorable sale to date? I think we covered that. Yeah. Does listing consistently truly help your sales? We've I think talked we about both it. Agree. We both Absolutely. agree. Yes. Yep. We covered that. Do you organize your closet in any particular way by size, category, style, etc.? That was a good question. Do you, yeah. Daniela? Nope. I used to, when I first started and had like maybe 50 listings, I used to organize it by um, type of item. So category. Uh, and then I stopped because I realized it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. And I did the same thing, Daniela. And then I think I stopped because it just became too difficult to maintain. Yes. Like when I would share, I would skip over certain things so that all my shirts would be shared together. And, and then there would be like a sale on brands and then I'd be sharing all my J crew stuff and preppy clothes. And then everything would be out of order and it would freak me out and I would go back and yeah. sort it. <laughs> and then one day I was um, scrolling through anthropology and you notice when you scroll through, it's always different things. Um, I mean, unless you're looking specifically for a dress, um, but if you're just searching through clothing, it's like you get the jeans and then you get shoes and then you get a top. And I realized that that was a lot more interesting to me. And I said, you know, why do I want to throw 30 shirts at my, you know, people who are shopping my closet when it's more interesting to kind of bounce around. And then at that moment, I was like, this is ridiculous. And I'm trying to keep this up. And I actually like a variety better. And then I went through a phase. I still do this a little mentally. This is like a little OCD thing for me. When I share my closet, sometimes I will try to share it like top to bottom. So in a row of four, when you're looking at Poshmark on a desktop, I'll have like a pair of boots, a pair of jeans, um, like a top, a bag and a top like that go across the row as four and they would look really good together. I'll do that every once in a while when I'm really that's, bored, which is never. That's actually a really good idea. It's just kind of fun. Like if I have a pair of riding boots and then skinny yeah. jeans and then like a chunky sweater and a bag, like I'll put those in one row. Cause I'm like, that would be a killer outfit right there. <laughs> I do that. If you wanted to do that, I mean, if, if you have the time to do it, you could theoretically put it in the listing, you know, look for X item in size, blah, 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 that would look well with this top kind of thing. Like 
to compliment it or whatever. There, there was a time in the beginning where I did like put outfits together and I would put it as like my last picture and say, you know, see closet for other items in this photograph. Like I would do a flat lay and I wouldn't put it on the front because I wouldn't want to confuse people like what was included in the listing. But say it was a top and I'd do my five pictures and then I would show the top in a flat lay with other things and I would reference other pieces. But all that stuff takes a lot of time. And when you're just trying to like list and bang them out, you just list and bang them out and go forward. Yeah. And I mean, I guess if if it's too time consuming for you or if it's something that you do and you realize that you can't keep up, keep up with it anymore, people can also go to your closet and filter to category. So if they all, if all they want to see is sweaters, they can just look at sweaters. So they can do that. You don't have to do it yourself. Yeah, you don't have That's to do a it. good point, Daniela. Yeah. I like that. And then the last question, has the coronavirus made you rework your business? Uh, yep. <laughs> In more ways than one. Um, there's just so many aspects of it that have changed, whether it be um, the types of brands that I'm picking up or, not even brands, types of items that I'm picking up. So I'm definitely focusing more on sneakers, athleisure, comfort wear, robes, like things that I might have normally not spent too much time on unless it was a very particular brand. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely focusing more time on. I'm focusing on new with tags. Um, I'm doing more retail arbitrage. I'm spending more than I was before. I'm also limiting where I'm going. Like there's just so many factors to it. There's just so many factors. COVID has changed so much. Yeah, it, it really has. Um, for I feel like I'm kind of back into a rhythm. Uh, I'm, I'm back into overbuying right now, which isn't good because I feel right before pre-pandemic, I had cleared out so much stuff. And I had not thrifted for the entire month of February. And I, I kind of feel like I need to restrict myself a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm sourcing a little bit differently now. I'm staying away. I'm buying a lot less dresses right now and more comfort pieces. I have a little bit, for a little while there, I had like that scarcity mentality, like what if things get shut down again? And that was one of the reasons I told myself I was buying a lot of stuff, but that there's no signs of Massachusetts closing down. Our state's doing very well right now. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know that I've changed my business model a ton. I I feel like I did when we were in the heart of it, Daniela, but now I feel like my old habits are back, to be honest. Yeah. I, I've tried to stay. I tried to stay. I I guess I, I don't want to change the way I was thinking during COVID because other states are still going through it. So I'm trying to like, okay, here we may be doing okay right now. And it's still back and forth. Like there are times here in Rhode Island where we're skyrocketing again, that all of a sudden we're back down. It's like this constant ebbs and flows. It, it's it's going to be interesting with school starting tomorrow, what's going to happen. Um, but uh, anyway, other states, you know, they're still in the you know, and then with the fires in California going on right now. So let's oh my gosh, forget about so COVID, awful. right? Totally forget about COVID right now. There's just a lot happening around. But I mean, California is dealing with COVID and fires. I mean, I talk right. to Blake frequently and I'm always like, honestly, like I forget that he is still quarantining and I talk to him and he's like, oh, whatever, like shares he hasn't, you know, it's just, it's been a big stretch of time since he's, had the opportunity to socialize like we can here now again, you know, in yeah. California life is very different. 
it is. And I think I try to try to be conscious about that. And I try to reflect while I'm outsourcing because the majority of my sales come from California. Like mm-hmm. when I sit down and look at it, most of my, I've been getting a lot of, a lot more local sales, local meaning New England, which is nice. So thank you to all of you that purchase that listen and that may follow me. But, um, I have a ton of my sales are from California. So I've been mindful about that. I really looking at like, where do most of my sales come from? What should I be focusing on? And for me personally, I've noticed since I've been focusing on this kind of stuff, I've seen an, uh, an increase in my sales. So that's just me and what I'm doing. I, I mean, yeah. eventually I feel like I will revert back to the ways that that I used to do things. Um, but for right now, I'm still trying to keep that mentality going because it's served me well during this time. So. Yeah. I think you've taken a pretty analytical approach as you always do. And you know, that has shifted your business and your focus. And yeah, I, I think because I'm not a super analytical person, I kind of throw a lot at the wall and something sticks <laughs> a little bit, but and I mean, you know, sales, huh? I said, and we go with it. And we go with it, you know, and I, I kind of feel like as long as, um, as long as I'm hitting my, my goals, um, then I, then I, I feel like I'm doing okay. And I am trying to watch my spending a little bit more, but again, I'm, I'm just trying to be cognizant of how much I'm actually inviting into my home these days. <laughs> I would watch as I used to say, be careful what food you invite into your house. And now I feel that way about clothing. Yeah. <laughs> how things have changed. <laughs> Well, I think it'll be interesting, Lori, to see where your thoughts are on, on this specific question. Once you have Lindsay come in and look through the inventory and create a system and that might help, you know, put different things in front of you. It might change a few things when it comes to sourcing. Yeah. Like, I mean, recently, like today's haul was all vintage. I've been really enjoying vintage. I kind of usually go where my heart is, which I know is not always the right thing to do, but I've been really having fun with vintage and it doesn't, the pieces I'm picking up don't cost a lot. And some of the returns I've been getting are really good. Like I got a George Michael sweatshirt for a dollar and it's sold for $60. And, you know, there are things, there's something about vintage um, where it's an exclusive piece or just hard to come by or just made so well or has a story behind it, you know, that makes it really special to me lately. And I feel like some of the the Madewells and the anthropology and the stuff we hear about every single day. I'm just like over it sometimes, sometimes, you know, and I'm just like, Oh, look at this little thing over here that looks so different. And I wonder who used to wear this in 1975. Like Mm -hmm. I've just been drawn to that lately. So I tend to kind of go with my heart and it serves me well for the most part, but I, I definitely pick up things that I, that aren't always the best decision because I'm going with my heart and not the comps sometimes. That's okay. You don't always have to go by comps. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So yeah, so that's a wrap, folks. Thank you. That was really fun. I love Q and A's. I just think they're it's just they're just fun to do. And it's it's nice to hear um your thoughts on things, Daniela, and just kind of bounce things off each other as we always do and hopefully answer some questions that people wanna get answered. So thank you for sending those to us. Yes. Thank you. We love doing this kind of stuff. And it's, and it's so fun because Lori and I learn something about each other every time that every time we talk, every time we do, we do Q and A's, we learn a little bit more about one another and things that we thought we knew. And then, you know, maybe you hear someone say something you're like, Oh, well, I never thought about it that way. And you kind of 
rethink your processes and stuff. So as helpful as this is, hopefully to all of you, it's also helpful to Lori and I. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So thank you, Daniela. And we will be back soon and catch Daniela next week with Coffee Talk. Yes. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Good night, guys.